Welcome to Real Good Company, a show about real people building good companies that make a big impact. We go behind the scenes to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you can become a better leader and gain fresh wisdom for both your personal and professional life. I'm your host, Allison Trebridge. And I'm your host, Caitlin Crosby-Benward. And you're in In Real Real Good Company. Company. (laughs) Welcome to season two of Real Good Company. It's so good to be back with you all after a little break. It feels like we've come through so much in 2020. I hope you all are doing well and finding a way to thrive in just the ongoing difficulties of the season. It feels like we can finally see a light at the end of the tunnel of this year. And so we actually wanted to kick off season two now through a a month and a time that I think is so important to community and health and well-being. And so we want to use December and the end of 2020 to really look at this as an opportunity to finish on a high note and start 2021 in a place of just groundedness and perspective. And so for the month of December, we're going to be focusing these episodes on a different side of real good company, and that's community the real good company that you keep and how that affects your mental health and well-being and and just the joy we drive through relationships and how we can both thrive and at times survive within them. Today we're kicking it off with I think one of the most important episodes we've done to date. This is with Miles Adcox, CEO of Onsite Workshops, someone that Caitlin and I have the most respect for. Um, the most admiration for. I can say wholeheartedly that Miles and Onsite have changed the lives of more friends than I can count. And I will forever have just such immense gratitude. I've, I've had the chance to spend time at Onsite, which is based about an hour outside of Nashville in beautiful rural Tennessee. And I've had the chance to do a a weekend there and just see the the incredible power of their program and i think the way that they're bringing mental health and emotional well-being and centered living to the forefront of the way that we think and live and i certainly know that early on in my career i didn't think taking time out for myself and health and well-being was important and now i believe it is the most important So that's why we wanted to have Miles on right now in the midst of just this year winding down and preparing for what 2021 is going to look like, getting through the holidays, which can be a very joyful time and at times a very heavy and dark time. One of the things that that we're most excited for at Real Good Company is that OnSite is actually launching a new course. So normally they do week-long workshops but they're launching a virtual course called Rediscovering You. And uh, we wanted to share this episode with you now because they just reopened registration this week. It runs through the end of December and they were so generous to give us a special discount code for our listeners. So if you do want to participate, I cannot recommend it more highly. If you need just that groundedness, support, extra guidance through the end of 2020. This, uh, There's nothing I could recommend for you more. So we will link it in the bio or in the show notes. But that code is if you just go to onsiteworkshops.com slash company, you can learn more about the Rediscovering You program. 
And again, you get like a third off the price. I think it's like $200 off. So check it out. That's OnSite's gift to you all, our listeners. And with that, without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Miles Adcox. All right. I am so thrilled today to be joined by Miles Adcox, who is not only a dear friend, but one of the people that I admire most in the world. He is the founder and is it CEO of Onsite Workshops? Gosh, I have a, I don't think I've told you this, Miles, but I have a dream to someday get my company to a place where every single person who works for me, I can send to Onsite at some point in their time there because I think the work you do is the most important in the world. So thank you for being with us. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. It's really good to see you. Always love when we spend time together. So I appreciate you having me. Likewise. So I would love for you to, to share with our listeners, first of all, what is Onsite? For, for the few people out there who haven't heard of Onsite, give us kind of the, the 10,000 foot overview. Sure. Yeah. We are uh, in a, an emotional wellness retreat space. Ultimately, I operate. We operate on, on a main campus just west of Nashville on a beautiful ranch. But we really have a few different offerings uh, with a mission of ultimately in helping support people and enhancing their emotional health and intelligence. And firmly believe that uh, when we do that, uh, we raise our EQ. That we ultimately can. Um, uh, ground ourselves in a deeper self-awareness. Uh, we can have more empathy towards ourselves and other people. And it really is a game changer on how we live, love, and lead. So that's really our, our mission is changing the world by enhancing emotional health. We do that by offering short-term um, intensive workshops and retreats for people anywhere from three to five days on our main campus in Tennessee. And of course, we just recently had another campus out in Southern California, which we're excited about. Yes. Oh, yes. And then we also have some digital offerings. And then I've also got um, a long-term residential uh, program that's a little bit more in the traditional mental health space that works with people with depression and anxiety and, and trauma. So mm -hmm. that's, that's Onsite. So I, the reason why I first heard about Onsite is because over a number of years, I can't count miles how many friends have written books coming out of onsite, attribute their healthy marriages to onsite or a marriage surviving a really turbulent time, um, overcoming addiction, um, or just, you know, their ability to show up as a leader in their company and in their relationships. And I, it was like through so many years hearing, well, the reason why I could do this was because I took the time to go do this work at onsite to the degree that at a certain point, I'm like, what is onsite? I have to figure out what this incredible place is. So thank you just for the impact you've made certainly on my community of friends and would love to, to hear. I think there's kind of this general perspective that I certainly had at one point in my life of, well, I only need that sort of deep dive kind of therapy or counseling work if I'm really going through like a crazy trauma. And the Living Centered program is certainly can meet someone in that place, but also can be if you think you've got your life pretty together as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you're not alone there. I can, I can really relate to having not just grown up, you know, with that kind of imprint to where 
um, there were there were good emotions, bad emotions. These were okay to feel. These are not okay to feel. Uh, certainly don't reflect those or show them to the world. I was taught to kind of manage struggle mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. share or acknowledge or own it, uh, to keep emotion out of relationships and uh, particularly out of the workplace. We'll probably get into leadership soon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting to find ourselves in, in, in this new season where all of that theory is not just dated, but it's getting debunked by science right and left. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of exciting now to see what used to feel like an obstacle which is I need to go do work because the wheels are falling off now has turned into an opportunity. Yeah. And we, you know, I'm thankful that we've been able to be a part of the front lines of trying to make the idea of personal development and therapy and counseling kind of cool and hip again. Well, again, <laughs> I don't know that it ever was, but I've long, uh, it is now I've long, um, I've long held the theory that it, it you know, a lot of the, I think you were kind of loosely describing a little bit of the stigma around why someone might engage in, yeah. in becoming a better version of themselves and why we typically don't do it unless we feel like we're in an area of our life where things aren't going well. And I just, you know, I think we should take those of us in the psychology space, and I've been in it for a couple of decades, should take some responsibility and accountability for mm. that because I, I think we're one of the first to complain about the stigma that, that still is out there, even though it's really gotten so much better. But yet, I think we fail often to look in the mirror and saying, well, how do we um, take part in creating some of that? And I think one of the ways we've done it is we just haven't been smart in branding ourselves as an industry. And we've been branded all wrong as if this we are this place where you go when something's wrong with you. And actually, it's not what's wrong with you at all that you'd pursue a better version of yourself. It's that's what's right with you. And people usually experience that on the back end of the counseling experience. Um, but now I think we're getting more and more people engaged and the door feels much wider for people to walk through regardless of whatever season they may be in their life, which is really exciting. Why do you think it is that in just, it feels like in, in the last five years, suddenly like our culture is waking up to how much we all need this sort of support and, and kind of personal work in our own lives. What do you attribute that to? I think it's a, a number of factors. One, I think we have, you know, the millennial generation Z to think for ushering in a different mindset and basically saying we value meaning uh, more than we do yeah. some of the things that the generation before us did. And the one way to anchor ourselves to acknowledge what's meaningful in our lives is to, to understand the inside, uh, not just present to the outside this picture or highlight reel that we have to be a little bit mm. more authentic. You know, a lot of that came on the heels of vulnerability really trending, which we have, you know, some of the gatekeepers like Brene to think for that and others. Uh, but since all that has gotten real, and this is one of the positive things I think about social media is that when it became a place for people to make a living through the realm of influence, the influencer kind of movement, and that being um, celebrities who already have influence and reach to people who became influencers and had platforms based on this, is many of which aren't in our space, but started to represent our space. They're sharing mm. their own painful parts of their story. And so wow. they, I would say I credit a lot of that movement with pop wow. culturizing the idea of counseling and self-development and just being real and truthful about our stories. That's so neat. I'd never thought of it that way. I, I think you're really right. And I, I think there's, I mean, so often we're decrying all of the negatives and downsides of social media, but yeah, that really is because it's allowing this more kind of real time, authentic look into someone's life. I think those cultural leaders 
have a space to kind of step forward and share something that is deeply personal and, and almost go first and set an example in that regard. Right. And I also think it was, you know, nothing's really uh, born or accelerated without it solving some kind of problem. So I think all that is probably the the how that we got where we are within. And I think we're maybe a third of the way where I want to see us go, but it's, it's an exciting start. But the why I think is because the old way wasn't working. So mm. why did this next, this last generation start to usher in something more meaningful? It's because we've gone generations uh, with not having intentional or appropriate outlets to be able not just even identify and own, but to offload some of the stress that we download. Yeah. And uh, right now, I think we're seeing statistically, you know, a bit of a mental health crisis. Yeah. And I know we're talking in the midst of the, um, I'm not sure when this will air, but we're talking in the midst of the, the pandemic and the, yeah. a lot of the social unrest uh, mixed with the um, economic crisis. Uh, so we're seeing a spike in everything. So stress right. is up, anxiety is up, depression's up, suicidal ideation, addictions, broken relationships, all that is up. But it's important to remember that we weren't exactly in a mental health utopia pre-pandemic or all this so stuff. So true, it's, so it's true. Coming up. And so I think it's our way of uh, humanity and our culture of saying the way we've managed this in the past has led us here and there has to be a better way. Hmm. Miles, before we get into kind of why this is so important for business leaders, I'd love to hear just a little of your background and and how you got here. How did you come into this space and buying a retreat center and what drew you to this? Have you always been hardwired this way to understand the need for this sort of kind of growth and therapy? Yes and no. I, I definitely had, I think, a draw to uh, supporting people going through difficult times or just change in general. I didn't really know what to call it or even that uh, it was innately in me at that time. Mm-hmm. But if I, I've done so much of my own uh, and continue to do my own uh, personal work and self-work and leadership development that I can visually uh, look at multiple timelines that I've done to track back certain things in my life to understand where an imprint or an origin in my story started so that I don't come mm. through future context um, without acknowledging that there's a filter, there's a historic filter here that I need to pay attention to. And yeah. so I, I, if I go back into those timelines, I can tell you there were times when I was a kid that I just, I feel I was always wired to do something like this, mm. but I very much, um, adapted to getting my needs met externally early on and which is so common but I did that and in doing that I began to pursue a path that was defined and dictated based on what everybody else uh, thought I should do and what I could get validation from Mm. external validation Mm -hmm. and so I ended up you know kind of ignoring some of those early signs and moving in a, in a different direction early on. And, and then in my first career, which was in kind of the sports, the business side of sports, because I was an athlete growing up and it was just mm. uh, really got a lot of validation in a small town in the South of being an athlete, kind of a man's man. I was an outdoorsman hunter and I still value a lot of those things, but there was always this creative artist in me that just, I never had permission to really let it, let it out until mm. I had a bit of my own internal crisis, which led me into my profession. And so I say that to say, it's important to understand that I believe I had it early. I believe I lost it along the mm. way. And then I believe I found myself at, at, a, at a bit of a pinnacle where I had accomplished some things early professionally that I, I just 
they were looked amazing on paper. I, I felt um, I was, you know, I was proud of it. And then everybody was proud of me. Life looked really good. And yet I didn't feel good about it. I found myself uh, on the back end of accomplishing some things quickly and, and felt at the end of the day, just kind of felt worse. And mm. so that was a big wake up for call, call for me in my early twenties. It was like, Oh my goodness. So this is where I wanted to be. And wow. I hear something that I thought I would be, and it wow. didn't make me feel any better. It yeah. made me feel worse in a sense. Wow. So at that time I had some internal stuff that was kind of manifesting around depression and anxiety. I didn't have a name for it, but it ultimately led me into counseling. Mm. I counseling ended up being a little bit of an intervention for me. Um, mm. And it gave me this new education, this new framework, this new way to look at the world. And I just was drawn to it. I immediately went back and reclaimed uh, and rediscovered that part of me that I avoided and neglected all those years. I firmly put it in place uh, pretty soon after change careers and wanted to be a part of helping people and um, support people in the change process. And so that's kind of what led me into the field of psychology, but it was a, a pivot through the lens of my own experience. When I started having transformation, I wanted to pass that along. And one important part of that, what got me all the way to the, the concept of onsite was I had a, a really great psychologist at the time who uh, was in his last year of practice. He was uh, been doing it for a long time and he just got me. I had had a few bad therapy experiences and almost didn't go back. And that's a real common thing. Um, but I anchored in with him and for whatever reason he got me, we connected and he told me right away, he, he asked me how I learned and he tested me a little bit to figure out how I was wired with my personality and that mattered to him. And, you know, there, I can only count on one hand, no, really two faint, two <laughs> teachers in, in, in all of my education that took time to want to understand how I learned and adapted the way they taught to support it. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Uh, when I find a leader that does that, the same thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to approach change. But he did that right out of the gate. And one thing he realized is that that traditional counseling 50-minute session where you go in, you leave the world, you go into an office, you talk about what might be happening and what you might want to change, and then you get slingshotted back out into the world. Um, I, I value it. I think there's, um, I support it. I think there's a lot of research behind it, but for me, that wasn't the most effective way. Uh, and mm. so he caught that early. He said, I feel like you like intensity. So you'd like to get a lot of this information <laughs> in a short amount of time. I was like, yes, tell me what I do. And so he kind of customized, put together this opportunity for me to do more of an intensive deep dive so that I unplugged from reality for a little while and went all in on reconciling some things that weren't working in my narrative embracing things that I wanted to become. And I'm telling you, I, I fell in love with it. I, at that moment, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, some people might qualify this as like a treatment experience, but it doesn't feel like that at all to me. It feels like yeah. human school and human school. I love that. I love yeah, that. It, it did. It taught me how to be more humane to myself and other people. Wow. And from that moment, I left there thinking, how come this is not accessible to everybody. I wanted yeah. everybody I knew to have, have time to do that or an experience to do that with. But when I started exploring the, the traditional mental health space, it was totally built for what we talked about in the beginning of the conversation, which is unless you're a hot mess, there's really yeah. not a place. And nothing wrong with that. I think people who are going through real adversity current time, it's one of their biggest opportunities. And so totally. I'm not, not judging that, but I just thought of what about everybody else? 
And so I dreamed then of creating a retreat space that had a sophisticated clinical modality with just unreal clinical talent so that we would curate and bring in the mm -hmm. best of the best, but not make it feel that way. Uh, make it feel like a place where you go and you're taken care of from a hospitality standpoint. And the food is really good. I'll add just as an aside. Thanks. Something that you're really investing in yourself. Yeah. And so anyway, long story about onsite. There were some, it's got a great history that some of it predates me and I acquired mm -hmm. that business um, and then the retreat space. Uh, so I had a great legacy to build on, but ultimately we've rebranded and shifted it towards, we're not going to sit back as a, mental wellness resource and wait on culture to need us. We're going to go to mm. culture proactively mm. and try to meet them where they are, depathologize the language and try to build some bridges. And so that's, that's what got me there. So good. So, so good. And I just think so few people realize that something like this is available. Like we were saying earlier, the, the thinking that you could actually go somewhere literally on site for five days and just go so deep into that space and have these transformative experiences. I mean, it, it it's, yeah, it's just absolutely incredible. It, can you talk about the living centered program specifically and kind of what that is created for and what it does? Cause that's the one where I've seen a lot of friends who are business leaders go through that and come out the other side, completely transformed. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh it's our kind of marquee, workshop or program. We offer a variety of different ones, but it's the one we offer the most frequently. And it's a, it's a really beautiful proven process. We've, we've wrapped some research around it and it's, it's great at not just creating change, but creating sustainable change. Uh, very much to do something in a pack in, in a short term way. A lot of people will compare it to the, uh, um, of doing like a year's worth therapy in a week. Mm, if mm -hmm. you're going to do it that way, you know, I think our, our brains only have the ability to consume so much information. We, in other mm -hmm. words, we have consumption limitations, no different yeah. than the technology that we use. If we don't uh, creatively update our systems along the way, then we can only download so much. Uh, and same goes for education and therapy. And so we don't, we didn't want to create a model where we have a curriculum and framework. And for five days, we give you a mountain of information that goes right into the executive functioning of your oh, brain. Wow. And you can take a million notes because we, we know enough about where we hold stuck patterns and emotion that that information alone won't change behavior. Out of the gate, we wanted to create more of an experience. I believe we, we get imprinted, we get, we get wounded in some cases, and we get stuck through the lens of experience. And our job is to curate experiences for people to heal in. And so it's wow. very much an experiential model. And, that, and all I, when I say experiential, it's a lot that falls under that umbrella in terms of growth and change. But it's really just an action-oriented method to where it's interesting, it's engaging, it's creative. There is a flow and a framework to the Living Centered Program. And ultimately, it's kind of three parts. It's initially, we, um, we just take a step back from your current reality. We give you a bit of a detox off of technology for a few days. Oh, yeah. I love that part. You have to literally like check your phone in. <laughs> <laughs> I used to not tell people that until I they, love it. Uh, until, like, the day before they got there because it was that used to be something people would, would not come for when really? cell phones were really getting, and now people want to get rid of it. Oh my gosh. They're like that. I will, I will come to this just for that reason. <laughs> I literally had somebody call me. It was a friend and he said, look, I don't want to do this therapy crap, but can I just come and give you my phone for a week? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh, so I there's, a, there's a new product there. We should like <laughs> totally, totally. Okay. You know, when, when you take that step back and you, you, 
you bookmark technology and all the other things that we would we would identify as medicators or something we might use mm -hmm. to numb emotion. Uh, that alone just resets our entire system. Our nervous system just settles for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then we have an opportunity, I think, to just evaluate our current reality. And that's kind of where we start is where are we? What's actually happened? When's the last time we slowed down long enough to just look at our current experience to see what's working, what might not be working. And, uh, and then we would move into um, an opportunity to look back and figure out where were we imprinted. It's like I was talking mm. about my own story a moment ago. Where were we imprinted along the way? And how might those imprints be affecting the way I'm showing up and responding in current time? Because mm. most of the time, we're not responding, we're reacting. And wow. when, yeah. when we're reacting, we're, we're, we're reacting based on things that impacted us in the past. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a certified and, and trained coach as well and, and do some coaching and consulting. But one of the things I find limiting about the coaching model, even though I'm a big fan of it, is that it, it very much starts with here. Yeah. Right. I, right. And I just think it's really hard. I don't think I don't, don't mistake. I don't think you have to go back and resolve and turn over every rock. Cause that's what turns a lot of people off, particularly business yeah. leaders. They're like, oh, yeah. no <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> it's not really about that. Yeah. Um, but if you don't at least have some understanding of where you've come from, then there's, I find it almost impossible to have a clear path forward. So that's kind of the mm. second phase of living center program. It's mm. the, let's stop and, and reset the second part would be let's recalibrate here. Let's figure out what might be holding us back. And, and, and then the third phase, we'd move people into uh, just the ability to reconnect and reclaim, mm. rediscover those parts that they might have left and then figure out who they want to be based on that. So we kind of move people mm. through three phases. And I'm just giving you a, a, a big overview. There's a whole no, lot more um, clinical content framework. And it's actually a really fun process. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good overview of LCP. How do you see this being relevant specifically for business leaders, for someone who is running a company, their weeks are flat out, they can barely find an hour in their schedule? What is the, what is the rationale for actually taking a week to turn off email and turn in your phone and come do something like this? And we'll talk about the digital program as well. But, but what is the, what is the, yeah, what is the reasoning? The way I like to view and the way I've been most effective in my own ventures as an entrepreneur, on-site being an example of that, but also some other things I'm involved in, is you know, I, I believe we become better leaders by becoming better human beings. Mm. And traditional leadership theory doesn't really teach that. They, they give you strategy and management. You know, look, I, we need all that too. We have to yeah. have the tools. But how do you use the tools effectively? And I think that's more of an internal shift, not external information. So... I believe, you know, it's clear that, uh, that emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, power, understanding, strength, empathy around our mood and our feelings towards ourselves and other people is just a quick way to describe it. But I like calling it emotional fitness, but it's clear mm. that emotional intelligence or EQ is outpacing IQ, mm. almost four to one in terms of predictable long-term success for entrepreneurs and leaders. Wow. Most, most leaders um, in intuitively have a pretty good EQ and don't even know about it because they've got good relational equity. They got good instincts. A lot of them can empathize well, but we don't need to assume no different than if we don't take care of and enhance our physical health, that we will be able to maintain and grow that. 
So no different than we check in on our bodies and we mm. have to exercise. We also need to pay attention to our emotional fitness mm. and those natural instincts. Once given a lift, like a living centered program, it really takes it to the next level, which is fun. Cause a lot, you know, we really haven't had traditional leadership offerings up until a few years ago and we're getting ready to launch another one, which I'm excited about. But a lot of leaders would come do a life oriented program, like living centered program, not related to their leadership, but they would walk away with that being one of their biggest takeaways or biggest gifts. And then like you, and thank you for saying you'd value our offering enough to consider sending a team through one day. But a lot that's what happens a lot of times is they'll come through something may be going on in life or they just need a break and, and they'll come do some work and come back and say, I'm sending my executive team through there tomorrow. And that, that's such a, a, an affirmative thing for us to hear. So, yeah, gosh. So, so, so let's talk now about for, I mean, obviously 2020 has been a crazy year for no one's traveling in person. Things are really difficult. Are you guys still one? Are you still hosting in person? And two, let's talk about the program that you're launching. Yeah, we, we, it has been something 2020 has just been <laughs> nonstop, uh, I think we're all going to need some deep dive therapy coming out of 2020. I actually, my mantra has been, I am going to process 2020 in 2021 counseling. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. It's like, I'm just accepting this is a gnarly year and next year we're going to do a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's hard for, it's, it's hard for me because it's what I was talking about when you, when you do some of that little bit deeper inner work, you do, I believe, have the ability to access tools a little bit more authentically. But it's also, I am very human. And I've done a mountain of my own work, um, you know, trained and educated in this space. And in 2020, in my leadership, some of those, when I've been in some of the most stressful circumstances, those tools go right out the the window. (laughs) I've, I've been faced with some stressful, challenging circumstances where, you know, because we're in a sense in live, live event business we host yeah. every week. And so, and it was, we just, just bought a new retreat space in Southern California. So the timing on oh that, you know, like, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so it's been, there's been no shortage of challenges, but I, I tell you, I, I went through the, I made the mistake of going through the first part of 2020 in, ex, in, in a constant state of expectancy of when are we going to get to the other side? Mm. And it really wasn't until about two months ago, I was working with a guest that I recognized that what the whole world's going through is very similar to what we take the people through every day. That for 20 years, I've been wow. working with people having gone through some of the most adverse times in their lives. And we're not trying to rush them through it. We're trying to walk them into it. Wow. And so I've really shifted my leadership strategy and my life strategy of not trying to get to the other side. Don't get me wrong. Mm. So dream of the day, (laughs) (laughs) but how do I be in it and see what I can come out of it with what it can teach me. And it really has helped me because there's certainly, as you said, no shortage of worry, fear, Mm. anxiety, Uh, but there also is a good supply of hope and optimism out there. And I've been just trying to keep a a dual perspective on, on both. And with our programs, we had to shut down for a while. Um, We had to, of course, delay the opening in California. Uh, We are back open now because we're considered an essential service. Um, We're only running about half capacity with our workshops, our live workshop, Um, and, you know, really enhance safety protocols and procedures just to make sure we're keeping everybody safe when we're doing it. But the work's still happening and it's still going incredibly well. I was, I didn't know if it would, you know, and it's going really well. I can't That's wait till awesome. we can fill campus up again. But for now, I think we're yeah. we're making good decisions around that. And so that's what's happened with the live stuff. And then, yeah, we're really excited. Early on, we 
we we had to do something. I know pivot is the word of 2020 in business circles, yeah. but yeah. we certainly had to do it uh, quick. And so we have, you know, we, we talked about going digital for, for several years. I talked to you about it, I think a couple of years yeah. ago. Just if we didn't know how to do it. It wasn't our lane. We do, right, we do right. live events and the, the, the world of online counseling was way ahead of us because VC got behind it and some of the bigger ventures where it was doing the, again, the traditional, let's get online and do a 50 minute Zoom session. If we were going to get into digital, we didn't want to do it that way. We wanted to do it something that matched up a little bit more with our model, a little more creative. And so, yeah, we jumped into the digital space, launched a, a course, and now we're just getting ready to launch our second course. Or no, we have launched our second course. <laughs> well, why I think this is so exciting too is, I mean, gosh, even as we're talking, I'm like, we really, 2020 has been a year of collective trauma. I maybe, I, I don't know that I know any person that has not experienced some form of trauma or hardship throughout this year, or even just a massive kind of recalibration or disruption in their life. And because of that, you know, as we're talking about the Living Centered program, I'm like, I want everyone to go through that. And the only way you get something to everyone is through digital resources. So I actually think it's I mean, there couldn't be better timing for digital program like this. And yeah, get get tell us tell us more about it. So I feel like you're a hype woman right now. I'm just so passionate about everything you do. <laughs> you do a lot because I'm not that good at talking about what we do. You have to push me to do it. <laughs> you're you're 100 percent right about the collective trauma out there. There's a significant amount of well, a lot of people are in primary, but there's a significant amount of vicarious and secondary. So it's certainly impacting a lot of us. And that's exactly what we wanted to do is just give people like I was making the um, technology analogy earlier. It's no different than uh, updating our iPhone to get the bugs out. Uh, it's yeah. kind of what this program rediscovering you has helped to design to do. It's giving you a little bit of a roadmap uh, to, to, to move into that process over a six week period. And it is, we tried to take some of the best of our live offerings and mm. put those into a digital format. Of course, there's limitations. There's a, definitely a difference between what you can do live, what we can do digitally. It's, it's This is not going to uh, replace, and it's not counseling or therapy. It's important for us to say that. This is more of an, uh, an emotional intelligence, emotional health course. Uh, mm. Even if that those words don't catch you, like it's like, ah, I'm not into the emotional stuff. That sounds a little woo-woo for me. That's okay, too, because um, we, we tried to make a lot of this what can be complex theories around human behavior and change really digestible and not overly use some of the language that I'm comfortable with, but to use language that you might be using in the, in your boardroom or your living room. So I think we've, we've made it real practical for people. And as you said, the convenience of being able to do it while in quarantine or at home, I think is yeah. going to be the real advantage. And just so happens in a season where I think people really could use a resource like this. How is the format done? Like if someone signs up for it, what's the experience like and what are kind of the the kind of modals that you go through? So it's similar to the way I described the Living Centered program uh, with those kind of three phases. But this one is a six-week course that uh, myself and three or four of our practitioners are in. I said earlier, you know, one of the things we hang our hat on at Onsite, uh, which is I think 
part of the, the secret to some success is we just get really, really picky about clinical talent and mm. who's coming and the people behind it. And we've been able, thankfully, to, to you know, recruit a lot of really great uh, clinical minds. And therefore, people, you know, when, in a normal year, people travel from all over the world to sit with some of these folks. But we've made some of them available in, in, by way of video. Uh, so we've got um, yeah. videos that are really interactive and engaging combined with a workbook that will take you through a series of the, the three phases I talked about. And it's got, you know, uh, activities and prompts that you can take out, you can pluck out and be able to do as part of it. We've done this one a little different than the first in that we're doing it with a community, which we're excited about. So everybody's going to kind of be starting at the same time and you'll be going with it through it with a community. Clearly. Mm -hmm. If you'd rather do it anonymously, that's that's an option too. But you'll at least have that opportunity. Um, mm. We're encouraging people to do it with someone they know if they can, which is, I think would be a real advantage. Yeah. I think that I don't know if I answered your question or not, but yeah. Well, and then and then the three stages that you you go through. Can you kind of walk us through what each of those are and and kind of how they apply to our lives? Yeah, and some of it may be repetitive because uh, I may have got ahead of myself when I gave you the overview of. Living Centered Program. And Living Centered Program, that week-long in-person, is it's really in-depth and covers a lot of topics. This does too, the six-week course, but it's it's done in those phases of what I said, which is reset, recalibrate, and then reconnect. And okay. I love re that. Th those three R's, I think, are really helpful and, and handy. And, and if you think about reset, almost like wherever you're standing or sitting, uh, if you could physically like take a step back, like mm. literally just took a step back from your current reality. Cause I can tell you, it's really hard to evaluate where we are when we're in it. Mm. No different. I forget what business leaders said. Um, it's hard to work on your company when you're working in your company or something mm. like that. Mm. Uh, yeah. It, same, same with yourself. Yeah. So that's the point of the reset is that you you step back from your current reality. And of course we take, we walk you through that. You evaluate what's happening, what's working, what's not working. Um, so that you then have an opportunity to move into in an empathetic and grounded way. Um, what's in the rear view that's tripping me up in current time. Mm. And that's when we get to kind of recalibrate our system and offload current or historic adverse current or historic adversity or stress. Mm. Um, and, and just clear the deck. Uh, and yeah. when we do that, that's, that's really the gift we give ourselves of taking what I believe is one of the longest journeys, you know, we take as human beings or as leaders, which is that 18 inches from, you know, our head to our heart. Uh, yeah. When we slow down, we start to integrate all the parts of us that make us uniquely us. We start to rediscover them, reclaim them, and then reconnect to us, to ourselves so that we can get clear about who we are, who we're becoming. So mm -hmm. I, I, I push through there quickly, but ultimately, ultimately it's those three phases. And then we feather those out and, and help you kind of create a roadmap to get there. Is it a, like a daily commitment or a weekly commitment? It is, uh, but you can do it at your own pace. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's a good news. There's a lot of yeah. really busy people. Uh, you kind of will have it to where you'll start and finish at the same time, but it's very much set up to do at the pace that you feel like you can do it. Because we know people are really busy at home. A lot of people are homeschooling and doing all kinds of yeah, things and people yeah. are really busy at work. Uh, so yeah, it's, if you miss a day, 
you missed you, and you can totally pick it back up. We built it that way. So cool. Well, I'm so excited. I was so thrilled to hear it when you guys, um, when I heard you guys were launching it and, um, Hannah from your team just told me that our listeners are going to get a pretty steep discount on it, which is awesome. So (laughs) we'll put all the information for that in the show notes, but yeah, just very grateful for you giving that to our community. And just also I'm excited to see more people get access to your content because I, I really do think that so many of us, myself included, it's so hard to take time to to stop and really kind of go deep into yourself and probably nothing makes a greater impact on the way that you lead and relate to people. So it is, it is essential. I think particularly, yeah, essential is the right word in in this season, because not only are we improving the way we might lead in any season, but if we don't pay attention right now, understand that the people you influence and lead are coming back with more stress, full circumstances than they've ever had collectively in yeah. their entire lives or careers. So we, I can tell you that statistically here, you know, here's what's happening to one in three people that you lead. And so it, it would really be important that in this season as a leader, you understand yourself, but then also understand the context of how you might be able to support people in a new environment. Mm, so good. So good. Well, Miles, before we sign off, last question, just because I love books. Are you reading anything good right now? Any book recommendations to maybe start someone on the path of, of this kind of journey? This is going to be kind of fun, but I'm reading a lot of books right now. Uh, and they're all for my three-year-old. Really? <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> I read about six books a night to him. Um, I love that. And I, and I I have a stack of books right in front of me. I see you see a whole bunch behind me. I yeah. got a stack <laughs> right in front of me from several friends that have just put out some stuff that I cannot wait to get into. Mm. But, I, but I haven't yet, so I don't want to I don't want to say those yet until I get into them a little bit. Although I know they're going to be good because I know the authors behind them, but. I guess if I had to pick a kid's book, they're all so good. The Little Engine That Could is so good. Oh, um, so good. Velveteen Rabbit, one of my all-time yeah. favorites. Couldn't recommend that more. But um, I'm reading a, one he really likes. is called What Am I Feeling? It's by Dr. Oh, Josh yeah. Straub, who's hmm. a good friend of mine. He's a psychologist, a good friend of mine here in, in Tennessee. And uh, he's kind of a parenting expert. And um, it's good for adults, too. I mean, it's kind of a fun little playful I thing. It's literally got a feelings chart in there to where you can start getting clear on what you're feeling, where you're feeling, all that. So anyway, that's what I'm really, it's really advanced. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I love it. Well, Miles, thank you so much for taking the time. It's so good to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Thank you for joining this episode of Real Good Company, a show about real people building good companies that make a big impact. Music from this episode is probably from one of my old demos. We hope you like it. (laughs) And Megan Schwindling is our producer. Thanks for joining and always remember to stay in Real Good Company.